What did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the new West. You know. Morons. Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. One more break, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures are down 11. NSA Futures down up one. We were down like a minute ago. We just can't kind of run to the upside on those. Um, do we have Mr. Kevin? We do indeed. Maybe he can straighten us up. Morning. Out. How are you, bud? Oh, just living large every single day. Well, that's uh, you know, that's a good or thing. Maybe it's just maybe it's just being large. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, it's uh, you know one. One is one is good. One maybe not so good. You know what can you say? <laughs> you, you know, know I say, am what I am. Yes. Sometimes. Uh, at any given moment, you are what you are. Like Pop by the sailor. Just remember what. Uh, Pop by the sailor. Yep. You got to you got to say it right. It's a yam what I am. <laughs> well, just remember uh, kung fu. No man can be what he was. He can just be the man he can become. That's a good one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, it sounds a lot like last night's State of the Union address. Yeah. Um, I uh, is it the more the more the more I watch this stuff and thank God I slept for most of it. Well, <laughs> and I really didn't. I, mean, I, I, I listened to all the. I, I, I put it on. I put on the beginning of it when I was driving home because I, I had a class and then uh, a meeting with a student group last night. So, so I put it on when I was driving home and now nah, I can't take this. <laughs> Turned it off. I just uh, I don't know. I, mean, I actually was planning on I had about three topics here I want to discuss, but. But now that you uh, somehow you, you toss my brain to another direction as you usually do, I uh, so I'm, I don't know, I'm not I don't, I don't know where I f- fall down on this, Kevin. I mean, I, I do fall down on it. I think logically, like just about everybody else, all the talk last night about the the police issues, and uh, and I think that anybody who you know watched that video realizes that there's you know there's some issues. Uh, with police forces someplace, and by the way, it's not just a white on black issue. It's police, as our, our friend Eric May told us, and uh, when he was a, a beat reporter in Washington, he saw police tune people up all the time, and they tune white people up just as much as they tune black people. Just, just some people did it, and we know that there's not as much discipline on some of the police forces as there ought to be, and, there's, and we know people that uh, do something really bad generally have quite a history of doing it before and nobody told on them. So we we understand that's a problem and it's something that on any given day, whatever whatever life you're in be it trading, be it teaching, there are always going to be some people that don't seem to want to do what they're supposed to do. Whatever you're in 
and the, and the object is to weed those people out so they don't screw with other people. I mean, I don't. I mean, if you listen to NCIS, my job is to catch the bad guys, and there's always going to be bad guys. You know, right? I mean, it's it, it's just the way the world is. I don't know why. I don't know how people can have ten kids and nine of them are fine, and one's a and one turns out to be an axe murderer. I don't know. I mean, I wish I did. Uh, maybe in the next life, I'll find out if there is a next life. But when anybody thinks that 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 is the national problem, other than violence among other people, you just can't you say that there were three murders last night in Chicago? Some eight sixteen year olds walking along get shot. Somebody can walk. That to me is. We can't, we can't say it because it's black on black. What what is our problem? Why every every time you see a piece of news, you you have to. I mean, every time you, you listen to Biden's speech, the man's been in Congress for longer than I've been alive, for God's sake. And the dude is talking about antitrust last night. Now, first of all, he's right. We need to do something about this dramatically, and it should have been doing it for forty years. But I also know that the Republicans, you and you and Carl. Uh, are, by the way, are big sort of antitrust people. Carl is for sure. Yet I know that if he tries to do anything, every Republican will be against him because whatever big business does is okay with them. So, I mean, the whole thing is, is so screwed up, Kevin. But And, and, and I think when, when things... Well, and here's what's really screwed up about the Republicans on this. That ain't their voter anymore. No. You know, the, 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 the big business moguls are all... They're, they're all uh, Democrats now. So... They're sitting there. They cater to them. They think that's still their uh, uh, part of their base, and it isn't. <laughs> and yet, uh, I don't know if it's just because they're so beholden to uh, to the money uh, that they can get, or if it's just stupidity. And I am not willing to rule out stupidity. Um, that you know, they they think that uh, you know any kind of catering to big business is good for them, and it's not. It, it, it doesn't help them in a practical sense, let alone, um, in, you know, being the right thing to do. Um, and, and there's a lot of times, this is one of my favorite mantras, and my students will tell you, that I'm sitting in class and talking about management or something, and I say, you know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like you to do this because it's the right thing to do, said, but let me make a case for you that it's the smart thing to do. Um, and, uh, and and they're just dumbasses. Well, I... Uh I'm going to say, and it's, and again, I don't know if you had to, if you, if you were listening to my rant yesterday regarding the Paul Vallow situation, um, in terms of now. Yeah, that, I heard you. Well, and, and I think that the, 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 the thing that I always have, not necessarily, it's not just Republicans, it's people, people talk about who backs what side and what they're doing with this, that, and the other thing. The fact is, business is always back to winner. And if, and if there's four people that might win this mayor's race, you're pointing up 2500 bucks for all four of theirs little parties. Business, ba- business has become totally amoral in this country. And, and, and it's absolutely the... Everybody thinks they're a multinational now. But, but you, you, of course, are very articulate when you say there's a level here. And you know what, Kevin? Not a whole lot of people maybe understand what you're talking about other than me. When I say that, on the trading floor, when everybody had their own account... You had an outtrade. You looked at the guy. You knew he was honest. You knew you were honest, and you say, "Hey, we bleeped up. Let's just split it." And that was the end of it. As soon as people got corporations behind them, well, I got to check with my boss. I didn't trade with your boss. I traded with you. Yeah, but he'll never let me split this. He wasn't here. You were. You got the badge. The whole the whole morality changed when people were backed. And not that you didn't end up settling outtrades. You did, but it was a real procedure, Kevin. And. And I, I think that these people, it's, and when you reach some level, and I don't know what the level is, 
the groups that you deal with in Indiana and, and maybe some in Illinois and so forth, the guys that are the people my nephew deals with in the, in the you know, I'm not saying these people are all saints. <laughs> I'm sure they're not. But there's, there's a certain way of doing business in the mid in the mid-size area. Maybe you're not big enough to be crooked or something. I don't know about that, but... Or it, no, it, it's a cultural thing. It, it's a cultural thing, Tom, and it's and part of that culture is that most of these people um, are prominent in the communities where they do business. And so a, a, as a result, you know, the same people that you might be, that, that you, you, could, you could possibly screw during the week um, are the same people that you're going to see in church at the Little League baseball game. Uh, that you're going to bump into in the grocery stores and so on. And it really is, uh, 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 that really does guide a lot of behavior. It's not that they're very consciously saying, oh, I can't screw Tom, I'm going to bump into him at church next week. But what they are saying is uh, that they become part of a community, and it's very, very personal to them. It's not just this cold detachment. And what you're also describing is is really crappy management because you have to empower people to make decisions. You have to give them permission to make decisions to settle an out trade, as an example. Um, they have to have that uh, that authority to do it. And the way I always said it to my people is, you know, make a decision and do it. I promise not to beat you up over it because I just told you to make a decision. If I disagree with it, we'll talk about it. Maybe that'll change what you do the next time. But you know, let's let's go with this. Let's. You know, and so the, there's just so much dimension to this, uh, to the way. But yeah, you're right. Once you get detached from everything, then your your behavior as as a leader changes incredibly. I mean, I can't I can't imagine if we actually, if if Joe actually knew what the hell he was talking about, and and, and I'm sure on some level he really does because he's been he knows all these laws some way better than I do. Uh, if he actually wanted to do some antitrust stuff. I'm going to say in the next two years, 50 of the biggest names we know in the industry would be in jail. Maybe 100. And I don't think anybody's willing to go there, Kevin. I don't think so either, Tom. And I, I, I do think um, that you, you say jail, and Carl talks about this all the time. Um, it's not going to change. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going to keep looking the other way as long as we are willing to let people get away with criminal behavior and do nothing about it. And if we if we finally want to put people in jail for breaking the law, whether it's antitrust law or other laws, polluting, it can be labor law, it can be all kinds of things. And unless we're willing to put them in the jail in jail according to the statutes, because the statutes will allow it, um, it's it's not going to stop. It it is no different than the criminal on the street who laughs at the cop who's arresting him and says, "Hey, I'll be out in, in less than twenty four hours." Well, you know, it's it's uh, interesting, mate. My, uh, <clears throat> well, I won't say my buddy, uh, <clears throat> my professor at the time at uh, University of Chicago. We had, God, Kevin, some of these days I have to dig through all my crap and find out what the name of this course was. But you, you had to take one course along the way in, I don't know what, practical kind of stuff or whatever. And uh, I was taking most of my stuff in economics, as everybody knows. I talk about it all the time. But this one was in, you know, again, I don't even know the name of the course. But the guy would talk one week, he was getting some money from uh, the government to uh, do studies on on hospital care and how hard it was to actually figure out one hospital was better than the next in terms of uh, health care and so forth. And we actually tried to put it mathematically, and, and he went through a bunch of that stuff. But one or two weeks he talked about crime and punishment. And I've kind of gone through this before a little bit. And he was talking about if, if you have to have any sort of a, uh, 
rationale. If, if let, let, you know, let's take. I won't say gang murder because that's probably. I won't say rational, but there's some something. There's a business motive to it. Uh, you know, whatever rapes and things like that. <clears throat> they're not. They're crimes of to a certain extent. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a criminologist. They're crimes of passion. But when you talk about crimes of money, his his point was. Don't assume that the guys that are crooks aren't somewhat rational. And if they are, you have to do, in order to have a, uh, uh, a decent way of fighting it, your, your penalty has to be at least uh, whatever it is they took divided by the chance of getting caught. So it has to be somewhat of a zero-sum game to them. There was a 1 in 10 chance of getting caught for stealing a case of beer out of the 7-Eleven that the fine has to be a little over 10 cases. So somebody's going to say, eh, I'd like a case of beer, but it, it, might not, it, it might not work out for me. I mean, not to say everybody is going through the math, but... Well, that it's the IRS yeah. approach, Tom. Well, sort of, yeah. You can cheat on your taxes. What's the chances of getting caught? Slim. But they'll come crashing down on you really hard. Yeah, well, and, and, and it's interesting. My, my buddies, uh, my lawyer buddies, tell me, and judges, that actually Illinois has the... Uh, one of the toughest gun statutes in the in the uh, in the country. <clears throat> it's some something really bizarre. I would never even have thought of it, Kevin. It's like if you use a gun in a felony, it's a twenty years minimum. I mean, don't take my word for beta on this, but if if you if you discharge it, it's like thirty. I mean, it's it's really really heavy crap, and uh, which tells you that when you look at hey jackass or something else, which tells you. When there's only 80, 84% of the homicides don't even have a, a person of interest, it has nothing to do with the penalty. It has to do with you have zero chance of getting caught. And, and it, when everybody talks about policing and whatever else, to anybody who's got an ounce of brains, the solution is about 10 times more police in the streets till you clean it out on every corner. And if you see somebody shoot somebody, if you don't shoot back and get him right there, he's going to jail for 30 years. And there has to be a, a reasonable chance of that happening. Not saying 100 percent, you'll never get there, but 10 or 20 maybe. <laughs> you know, I mean, it can't be zero, or else people don't they, they laugh at you, and which they're doing. I mean, in, in their way. So they're doing. Which you know, I mean, and, and but the problem is people are getting people are getting killed. I mean, while while the, while the dude and I'm, and I'm not and I'm not talking about any any justification at all of what these police did. I mean, I would never go there. Uh, but the idea that you would spend that much time on, in a State of the Union address, while during the address, how many people in all the cities in this country got killed while he was talking and never said a word about it? I'm just, just saying. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Be, well, and, and, and you know why? Everything's become a third rail now because yeah. everything is racist. And here's, here's one of the real problems I have, and I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. When we say black community... When we say Hispanic community, when we say old white men, when we say any of this, it, you know, it, it's it's a form of othering. Oh yeah, it's, it's saying that they're distinct. It, it's not. It's no longer we. It's it's not we anymore. It's it's them. It's us. It's you know. It's a different them, and it's it, it's not productive. And, and I don't know how we're going to get past that. It's, but it's, we need to get past it. Well, you're not going to get past it as long as there's money involved, because right now. There, there's there's a huge chunk of the African American community that has their hand out, and they're, and, and they're not the people necessarily who need it either, which which is the bad part. I mean, uh, there, there's got to be another program. There's got to be another this. 
you've got to, you've got to help well, and, and you know what the scam is on that too is that uh, that you'll have uh, a majority owned business that will spin off a um, a subsidiary um, and and make that a black you know find a way to make that a black owned business so that they can make money for set asides I so so when, when you say that I agree with you uh, that there's a lot of people with the handout but there's also a lot of people scamming the system oh sure as is taking advantage of this othering thing that we do I could tell. and uh, and 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 it's just it's all despicable it's all despicable I don't uh, I mean you know I and I, I can understand how this this rankles people uh, on both sides I mean one side seems to want never never increasing amount of money shoveled their way and other people are sort of tired about tired paying it and if, if they actually knew any of the details Kevin I mean I, I, I run across uh, some details from time to time and I don't you know, I'm not one of these guys that looks for this information, but it seems to find me. I would say that if you went back and looked at all the minority set-asides in the city of Chicago for the last 30 years, you'd find 5 to 10 names that got a significant percentage of all of it. And maybe a couple of them weren't even totally black. Just saying. It's possible. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, and like I said, it, in, in many cases, the intentions, at least originally, the intentions are good. It's just the execution sucks, and, and it's an open door for the scammers. So, you know, so what are we going to do about that? I don't know, but the first thing is that we all start to have to embrace that, you know, that a problem. Crime in the, in the cities, it may be higher in, in, in some parts of the city than others, but we have to treat it as a we problem. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, for, and, if and we don't. It's a they problem. People, and as long as it's a they problem, until it bleeds into my area, it's not that big a deal. Well, I have, a, as you know, as somebody who essentially grew up in a neighborhood that had changed and it was all black. Well, it wasn't all black because my grandparents lived there, but there might have been two white people left on the block. And when my dad died, I was there like every weekend and all the time. My mom was working. And uh, I didn't have, I had, I had zero problems, and neither, and, and, neither did they, and neither did they. I mean, we had zero problems. I mean, I never had an issue. Uh, but, you know, it was, wasn't like today. I mean, there were people running around with guns. But I don't, I don't, I don't get the whole, the, there, there's two sides of, of every story, Kevin, and it's, and it's whatever side, whosever bread is being buttered. I remember when Lyndon Johnson came out with this, this grandiose war on poverty. And, uh, and you know it was it was a lot of dough. I mean, you had well, hell. This was you know I was really young, and you were younger. But it was uh, when was that? It's like sixty four, sixty five, somewhere in there. And uh, they had all these programs. And I think the only program that's left out of the whole mess is Head Start. Is that right? There were all kinds of them. And then uh, when Nixon came in, you know he didn't. Nixon had his had his foibles, uh, childhood, and um, you know grew up kind of weird and weird family and so forth, but. He uh, he didn't he get recruited big time to Harvard because he was so brilliant. But his his parents made him go to some Quaker college out in California or something because they didn't want him. Whatever. Um, could be. I, I don't like remember, that. but I do remember that he, he did go to. I forget the name of the college now. But uh, when, he, when he came in, he said he made an observation. He said, and I don't think he ever took this to Congress. And he said, you know, if we would have taken the entire war on poverty money, divided it by all the amount of poor people we had, and sent them all a check, we wouldn't have had any poor people. 
But and he said something else. I forget. The and, and and that's a, a good observation and a cool observation uh, because there's so much overhead in this. It's the same problem that we talk about with healthcare and yeah. hospitals and their overhead. But um, but that that it is it isn't even that because it really gets to to skills to education to unequal educations and all that. So you know where we really need to be spending the money and we don't spend it well on education either. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that we just throw more money into the public schools. I, I would never suggest that, no. uh, even though I work for a public school. But it really, it really gets to, um, you know, to providing good education for people, and you know, just high high quality at the primary levels first, um, and and getting and building the the skill set, and then so that gives people a pathway, um, and and. You know that's that's what I do. That's what my college's mission is. Is we're basically we you know more than anything else. I mean we're giving people pathways into uh, into their bachelor's degrees too. You know I teach the freshman and sophomore years uh, of the of the business curriculum. But um, but in addition to that, we have a lot of programs that are just building a pathway um, from uh, into good solid middle class jobs that where you can where you can earn a healthy living. Um, and you can do what you've always talked about. You know, make a hundred, save twenty. You know that you can make enough to do that. Um, so, uh, so that I think that's a part of it. And the other part of it is that we're we, we spend so much time trying to. Uh, you know, we, we've done so much in the last few years where we say, uh, you know, the legal system's unfair, so we got to let people out because bail's a problem. Actually, to me, it's access to quality legal representation. And if you have that, then let's not worry about you know who, who we let out. Let's let people who who need legal representation have quality legal representation, because you're getting the you know the lowest paid attorneys uh, who you know are are, are uh, as, as public defenders, and they stand no chance going up against. Well, it also the, has uh, to do with also has a lot to do with two to three years waiting for trial. Which is yeah, yeah. Let's fix the backlog. Let's you know, let's deal with some of those kinds of things. Um, but instead, we say, well, what can we do this week? Oh, let's just let people out. Well, plus and, if you, you know, there, there was a, a police officer shot and killed uh, a couple days ago over the weekend in in Milwaukee, uh, or not over the weekend. I think it was Friday. Might have been Friday. Uh, the guy that shot him hours earlier in the day had been had, uh, had been convicted of a crime, 120 days in jail. Uh, judge suspended it and said you're on probation. Cool. Yeah, it's not. Guy gets out. Hours later, he's killing a, a police officer. Well, our, our friend and, Mike is. Uh, I, I will bet you, um, you, know, you know that his, 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 you know that there's a stolen car involved because stolen cars is a big problem in Milwaukee right now. Um, our friend Probably Mike is, uh, is 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 uh, texting in. I was going to say tweeting, but texting in that uh, in the fifties and sixties, a lot of things were different in terms of economics. That you had a whole lot more people working. You had uh, your your amount of people employed was like eighty five percent versus you know pushing sixty two now. You know he, he's right about that. But I also, I mean, w- some of these changes. <coughs> well, we're, he, we're, we're, he is he is right about it. However, uh, uh, the lion's share of households were single, uh, one person working, one person home with the kids, and you could afford to do that. Um, uh, you know, I again a, a lot of it changed because. You know, certainly, I don't. I don't want to deprive women of careers. You know, and, and that that was a big issue. Is why can't you have a career uh, like your husband does? But you could at least afford. So when when we talked about the people.
percent of the women weren't looking for work. Well, I also think it has a lot to do with, uh, I and mean, this, you know, Carl probably has the number someplace. When people retired at sixty-five in the sixties, most people smoked their whole life. They didn't make it to ninety. So the the people on retirement, you, you weren't twenty-five years on retirement in those days. Right. Now you get Social Security, and you, you you're lucky if you get to collect it. Yeah. If you do, it's only for a couple of years. That's so, you yeah, those are all factors. And, and look, we, we had bad policing in the 50s, uh, and, and we had poor access to schools, and we had, you know, we had all, you know, all of our issues in the 50s, too. Oh, yeah. It, it's, you know, so, yeah, there was some good stuff in there, but there was also some stuff that was just... Um, uh, you know that we don't want to repeat. We don't want to repeat in our history. No, SP Futures we, down 14, NASDAQ Futures down 20. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome up, back stocks and jacks. I'm Tom. I'm Matt Burn on the board. SP futures down 11.75. Nasdaq futures down seven. We've been up. We've been down. Market is absolutely skittish uh, these days, and more so in the last couple of days. Yesterday we probably had a couple of 80-point runs in the S&P while Powell was talking. We we were way up, then we went way down, and then we finished up way up, and now we're scooting the other way a little bit. Nobody believes the guy. Nobody believes the guy. I mean, as soon as he started talking about how inflation is coming down, nobody believes he's going to keep going on the, on the stuff. And, 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 and we're, we're happy days are here again. And despite the incredible mantra from the Republican side and some Democrats about how strict we should have been with China and blowing this thing out of the air, the simple fact is everybody all day long is telling everybody to get back in China, invest again. We've got Alibaba up uh, 3 bucks today trading one away to trade at $64 in, in like a few months ago. Doesn't matter. Get back in, even though the guy... Is like house arrest. You don't own anything, and everybody says to buy it in there because it's going up. This is the world we live in. I'm not. I'm just pointing it out. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just pointing it out. Uh, Dow futures down 99 over in Europe. We've got the Dax up 109.7 percent. And these guys, I didn't didn't catch our run up in the last couple hours because they were already closed. FTSE up 53.7 percent. CAC run up 29.4 percent. So bullish over in Europe, in Asia. Nikkei down 79.3 percent. Not much move there. Hang Seng down 15. That's flat. Shanghai down 15, that's 0.5%, so moderately down over in Asia, which is somewhat interesting since we were up so much yesterday. Yesterday, just a way of review, Dow up 265, S&P up 52, after being down 35 somewhere during the guy's talk, so that's an 80-some point move. NASDAQ up 226, it was down probably 1-something while he was talking, so probably a 3.5% swing. This is on This is on nothing, this is crazy stuff. Uh, bonds, a 10-year down 2 basis points, 3.65, the bond up 4, 2.35, and uh, Japan unchanged right at this high number, 0.495, high for them. Uh, oil, up 81 cents, 77.95. It's still got a ways to go before it gets back to 80. Uh, Brent, up 71 cents, 84.40. Natural gas down 3 cents, 2.55. Just remember that when you get your, your gas bill this year, when it's way up. Our Bob up a penny, 2.47. We've got gold up 10.80, 18.95, trying to get back over 1,900. Silver up 33 cents, that's a 1.5% move, 22.51. Copper up three cents, four ten. We've got Bitcoin uh, up a dollar, so call that flat. Twenty three thousand one eighty five, and we have the U.S. dollar uh, up a li- down a little bit with the with the uh, pound up to one point zero seven four, and we've got I'm sorry, the euro one point zero seven four, and the pound one point two one. So dollar has definitely uh, strengthened in the last couple of weeks, but it's coming the other way a little bit today. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Hey, good morning. Currently six thirty seven a.m. on February eighth, twenty twenty three. Weather in Chicago right now, clear skies uh, as, as we speak. Uh, right now, 30 degrees, a high of 43 later today. Tomorrow, rain from the morning until the afternoon. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies, currently 42 degrees, a high of 69 later on. Yesterday in the NBA, Bulls lost to Grizzlies, 104-89. to And Lakers played Thunder and lost, Thunder 133, Lakers 130. As well as that, yesterday in the NHL, Blackhawks lost to Ducks, 
three to two. So for now, she affect you. So, uh, Kevin, I was uh, happily next to my neighbors, my good friends, uh, as, as I was trying to keep uh, my friend Bill off the ledge. Uh, as Marquette laid a huge egg last night, and he's a massive Marquette fan. <laughs> Boy, man, they just had a clunker against UConn. Is UConn that good? They, they played really well last night. That's pretty good. I mean, uh, they did the, the, the Marquette press, and I, just so you know, I'm not always just ragging on the Irish or the Bulls. Marquette continued to try and get in this game. They were down like 17 points the whole way. They would, they would actually make a really good defensive steal or something. They couldn't wait to catch up by lobbing up the three. They had to miss like 12 threes in a row and totally waste an incredible defensive effort where they could actually have got back in the game if they just would have scored a few twos along the way. But not a chance. There was everybody was going for the three. You got to catch up right away. Well, you know, and we talk about uh, Notre Dame doing that, but uh, I will tell you, I watched their game last Saturday, and uh, they only took maybe twenty five percent or fewer of their shots from three point range, and um, and, and they they still <laughs> couldn't make any two pointers. So. Well, that's um, but the whole idea if you're catching up, you got the only way to do it is is like four threes in a row. That doesn't work for you. Then you're really down. Just saying. I'm not saying well, it's a. No, it's kind of a bummer. Okay. But um, uh, well, we have, we have, a, we have a, uh, a couple of texts here from our our buddy Mike, and it's interesting that he we, he said we we should not be investing in China. Why are people doing that? Um, since Mike has been helping us out on the air, we have learned a hell of a lot from him. But I think he's going to maybe learn a little bit from us. Mike, get a grip. If the if somebody tells you Alibaba is going to be up two bucks today. My phone will be ringing off the hook with people wanting to buy the damn thing. And if it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't okay. matter if it's if it's nuclear weapons in the Sudan. If it's going up, people want it. There, there is no morality to this money these days, none whatsoever. Nothing like. Well, and, and here's 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 the thing: is is it, I mean, this is my point of view on it anyway. Is I, I understand that people want to sell into that market. It's huge, and and so you you want to be able to sell. The question is. How do you behave relative to the Chinese Communist Party? Um, so I, I have not forgiven, say, Coca-Cola, and, I, and Procter & Gamble, try avoiding Procter & Gamble products. They're everywhere. But Coca-Cola, for sure. I just won't, I won't buy a Coke product, and there's a lot of things right down to Dasani, you know, uh, mineral water or whatever it is, um, that, they, that they have in their product line. But when you're a proud sponsor of the Beijing Olympics, I'm sorry, that's a showcase for the communist, Chinese Communist Party. I don't think that that's ethical. Um, any more than um, there, there's a, a great TED Talk about this, um, that, you know, it, it, let, let's go back to um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Montgomery bus boycott, in the, in, you know, um, which is the you know, famous event in, in the civil rights movement. And if you look, and there's a picture of a bus um, with this big Pepsi bottle cap on the front, an advertisement, basically, with this giant Pepsi bottle cap. Now, you, you look at it, and then you start to say, what in the world is that doing on a segregated uh, um, bus system? You know, one, one that forces people to the back. Why are you advertising in there? Well, you know, 50s was a different ethic, and there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of discussion, and we can have that discussion. But the point is that their advertising dollars were supporting basically an apartheid type of system. Well, who cares if somebody, the so, people in the front and the back know, are this, drinking this Pepsi? This is where, you know, you want to sell, you want to sell in 
sixties, you want to sell stuff to um, uh, to black people in Alabama. Cool, I think that's great. Um, you, you want to sell things to white people in Alabama. Cool, I think that's great. But are you going to advertise on a segregated bus system? Are you going to, av- you know, are you going to, you know, all the things that go with that? Are you going to support the apartheid system that they were having? And the answer to me is no. You can't do that. And that's where you draw the line. So as I look at, you know, what you're talking about with the Chinese Communist Party, um, are, are you going to invest in Chinese companies? I, I don't know, but are you going to invest in companies um, that want to do business in China? Yeah, I think you should. I, I think that's appropriate. Don't uh, don't take this wrong, but, Kevin, you're in the middle of the Pacific, and you're thinking you shouldn't have left the dock. The people at Pepsi... There were there were, there were, by by the way, uh, Pepsi ever as an opening. I wouldn't interview there if I were you. Just saying, I don't think they'd pick. Well, you. they won't like me now. No, they wouldn't like. Maybe they wouldn't like you before. They surely don't like. But I mean, they, but they actually, I will drink Pepsi Pepsi products at the moment, even though they sell in China. You know, uh, but but I but I won't drink Coke products. Well, didn't Pepsi? I, uh, I, I just won't buy them. Didn't Pepsi? Well, you know, I should know this. Didn't Pepsi own uh, Kentucky Fried for a while? I think yeah, they might still. They might still. I, uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, Matt, I want you to look that up. I'm on it. You know, there's a. Uh, I've read on several places. Doesn't make it right that there's more pictures of the colonel in China than there are of Mao. Just saying. But uh, my, what I'm saying, Kevin, if what you're saying, by the way, it's a. Uh, when I say the ship for the dock, gearing up for my second eight weeks of the semester business ethics class. But if the, if we were to, if we were to pull up with a ship uh, and somebody showed up with a big pile of cash or gold or whatever you want to take their cash and we we did a quid pro quo on the dock and selling to anybody I'd, I'd provided it's not like bullets or something I'd say yeah you know what go ahead but we're we're, we're so far beyond that we're not even we're, we're, we're paying people off for the distribution we're we're deep into the party or they wouldn't let us be there we're paying you know it's it's like doing business in Chicago on steroids you know, I mean, in terms of... Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I really do get that. So the, the question is always, where are you drawing your line? Are you drawing your line, hey, there's a profit opportunity, let's go, I, you know, or I, I can invest in Alibaba. I don't even know if Alibaba's the right one to, uh, to criticize, but or I can invest in Huawei or something. It, you know, it, is, is that your line because there, it's a profit opportunity, or is that your line, um, you know, you, the line you won't cross because of, of how tightly intertwined with the Chinese Communist Party it is and, their pra- and the resulting business practices that they have. Um, you know, everybody's line's going to be in a different place, okay? But I think it should be, it should become very conscious. People should be making those decisions on purpose. And then if you can live with yourself after making that decision, then I guess that's, you know, that's well, where you the, go. The idea I'm not, not going to tell somebody they can't, they don't have any freedom. Kevin, um, the, the but I, I, I do think uh, you know. I, I, I think they that we deserve for people to actually make their decisions on purpose it's rather not, than just. Well, let me help honestly. you. The new the new morality is, I, I get to make my own morality, just like I get to define my own recession. Recession used to have a definition, now it doesn't anymore. I get to define my own morality. If it's not illegal and I can make a buck, I'm in. That that's the morality. Yeah, well, that's that that morality sucks. Well, I, I I'm with you, but it's, I mean, I. I have to be, I've been thinking when Dr. J and I were on the score, how long ago this was, I had to be the only person I got some pushback on it. A lot, by the way. I don't usually get a whole lot of pushback, but I did that day, and we had to do where I said, we got, the New York Stock Exchange has no business 
bending every all these rules and, and putting Alibaba and listing Alibaba. And I'll tell you what, I did. I, I had not one person agreed with me. What do you mean? Everybody wants to invest in it. Okay. I mean, in our lifetime, I, I think that in order for a stock to be listed there, you had voting rights. You had no voting rights. Um, I don't think that the Jack Ma, of course, he <laughs> could have been tossed and was. Has anybody seen that guy in ages? I haven't. Uh, is he like a house arrest? Well, I think he disappeared him. Yeah, he might have disappeared him. But he, uh, so they, I think what, what you get, what is this ancient memory now? I think you get an income stream out of Bermuda. All the assets are allegedly in his name, which the Communist Party can take over whenever they want. I don't think you have any right to anything the place owns. You have this income stream coming out of Bermuda, which, you know, if they have a good year, I guess you can make some money. But, uh, I mean, the thing's right back in the game. And then all day long, oh, man, China's back for being a BlackRock. They run the country now. They're the new Goldman Sachs. They're, they're, they're dying to get people back over in China. I mean, why, why, don't, why, can't we, why can't the president tell that guy to shut up? Not that the president should have to do well, not to people. Or, or let, let's try this one. Um, uh, you know, what, where's your li- what line will you cross when it comes to selling real estate? Will you sell uh, a commercial property right near a base to a uh, uh, Chinese company that you know is intertwined with the Chinese Communist Party? Well, that's what they're doing. They're trying to acquire a lot of real estate now near some of our bases. What, what about the, the Chinese police force here that are watching Chinese people? I mean, in Europe, they actually have addresses, right? Where they know that's, that's where the Chinese people watch their people. I mean, we yeah. haven't gone quite... But, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff going on here that, you know, I somehow find out because people uh, are very vibrant that listen to the show and are on it. But, I mean, a lot of a lot of this stuff... I mean, what, what if it turns out this is like the 10th balloon? And then the other the others never, never even made it up the Pentagon chain to where I'm going to top even knew about it. What the hell kind of... Yeah, well, we, we talked about that offline uh, yesterday is... You know why? Why do they not feel it's important to tell the president about this kind of stuff? Uh, you know, maybe, um, maybe he doesn't want to. So know. there's no choice. Maybe he doesn't want to know. I mean, today we have uh, Microsoft is is uh, wants sixty nine is paying sixty nine billion dollars to take over Activision. And I'm not a gamer. I don't know what Activision even is. But my uh, my gut is Microsoft's big enough. Mm-hmm. Now there, there already there's been some pushback from Europe saying that they don't want them doing that. Uh, and I just looked up here and. Uh, Effective tax rate because this all ties together like there's no, no there's no tomorrow. The Microsoft's median uh, effective tax rate for fiscal years 2018 and 2022 is 13.8 percent. Okay, so where do you think they're getting the 69 billion? Not that they wouldn't have it anyway, probably, but all the people who went to uh, Europe and, and didn't pay taxes because they were in Europe all those years before. You know, the Trump thing sort of fixed that a little bit, but actually didn't fix it because if you stay in Europe now, you're actually better off than, than you were before. So the idea that he fixed it is all BS on top of it, as everything Republican is BS, everything, everything Democrat is BS. But what I'm saying is now, now all of a sudden, those people, it's not about, you know, Matt Byrne being sneaky and heading to Europe and not paying uh, taxes when everybody else is. It's when all of a sudden there's a, there's a, there's a pickup truck, not that these guys would ever be in a pickup truck, up for sale, and now Matt Byrne outbids Andrew. Well, where did he get the dough? Well, poor Andrew had to pay taxes, and Matt didn't. It, it doesn't end with a clever move for shareholders not paying taxes and being sneaky and getting around the law, which everybody cheers. It doesn't end there, Kevin. I mean, Microsoft, if, if you went back 30 years and looked at their antitrust activity, which, you know, I don't have the... I mean, if you look at the, the places that have disappeared along the way and the people they've bought and put out of business, I'm going to say you could be talking jail time probably. 
I mean, I, nobody could make the case, and nobody would ever win one because you know they'd have the best attorneys, and nobody's on, nobody wants that to happen because you have Microsoft stock, you don't want to call them down, right? So I mean, th- this whole thing is is sort of a mess. And, and Biden actually said a lot of stuff last night that made sense, but it it, it, it has as much chance as a snowball in hell, or is it, or is it just me? Oh, it's just you. Yeah, I, um, it, it, you're right. First of all, damn you for that, Matt Burns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, he was the one who got outbid by Andrew. If you start paying your taxes, I thought he was the one that has paid. Oh, no, he he didn't want to pay. I did something. He did something. Whatever. But now, how's Microsoft not paying? You're responsible for something. We'll get you for it. Um, Aside from that, so, yeah, so you are absolutely right. Before we get off, we only have 10 minutes, and I want to clear uh, clear up something, and then I, uh, you know, I have another comment related to the State of the Union. Hey, can you, can so you answer me? Uh, before you do that, the important thing to, hey, before I forget, the important before thing you do to that. clear up is that uh, Joel brought up the uh, story of Marquette yeah. blowing off the NCAA tournament yesterday. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so the, the backdrop was this was 1970. Uh, there were only 24 teams into the um, in the NCAA tournament, and and from the conferences, only the conference champions could go. And then there were there were a lot more independents back then. There were a ton of independents, um, and so the independents got at large bids. So it was a 24 team tournament. The major conferences would get a buy. Um, so you would see. You know, uh, for instance, the Big Ten, the ACC, those teams would get a bye, and then the at-larges would play against the lower-level conferences. Um, so uh, you, you might see um, uh, Marquette as an independent playing against the um, oh, the Ohio Valley Conference uh, champion or something like that in the first round, and then the winner is going to go play a major conference champion to advance. So that was the way the tournament was. As a result, the NIT was a really good tournament because second-place, third-place teams would get invited to the NIT as well as the uh, best of the remaining independents, and there were only a few slots for independents. So really good tournament, really entertaining tournament. You would see teams like in 1970... Um, you would see teams like uh, Georgia Tech was in there, St. John's, Marquette, uh, Utah, Oklahoma, LSU. You know, that was what the field looked like, uh, um, as well as, you know, the Georgetowns and Louisville. Louisville was in it, um, Massachusetts, you get the idea. Was the NIT still all the, totally at, uh, at Madison Square Garden in 1970? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was all played at Madison Square Garden. So now they play it locally. So thank God Notre Dame's going to have a losing record and not going to get invited because they would have a home game and about 12 people would go. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, so anyway, um, uh, so it was, it was a good alternative. Now, Marquette uh, was, you know, their, their home regional was the Mideast. And Marquette had the number eight team in the country. And the tournament... Uh, committee decided that they would ship Marquette to the Midwest and that they would play in Fort Worth. Um, and Al McGuire said, that's unacceptable. We're a top ten team. We deserve to be in our home regional. We're the highest rated um, independent, independent uh, going into the tournament. And so they said, screw that. We're going to play. We're going to decline the bid and go play in the NIT. Well, there weren't there um, so, rules though for a long time? So that if you... that's, that's how it unfolded. And uh, and Marquette went on and won. They beat uh, they beat St. John's for the championship. They beat LSU in the semifinals, um, and uh, and that was I believe that was LSU was still Pete Maravich. Well, I, I'm gonna. There was some sort of a, a rule. Pete Maravich uh, wasn't going to get to go to the tournament because 
Kentucky was going to win the Southeast Conference every year. Yeah. Well, the weren't the uh, if if you if you help if you hosted one of the regionals, the home team couldn't be in that regional, correct? Um, you you could be in the regional, but you could never play on your home floor. Yeah, because the Irish we we. We hosted something one time, and the Irish ended up playing God knows where, out west somewhere or something. I don't know what year that was. We were in yeah, school. Yeah, you, you never you never were allowed to play on your home floor. But even nowadays, you're not allowed to play on anything that resembles a home arena. So St. John's, who sometimes plays at Madison Square Garden, would not be able to play in, at Madison Square Garden. There's a certain number of games. Whereas North Carolina or Duke probably can play in Charlotte. Okay, hey, I have a question you know, for you. Uh, it's just still a home floor. Question. So that's that's the story there. That's that's the backdrop and filling in the blanks because Joel mentioned it yesterday, and uh, and I remembered it a little differently than you guys described it, but not not substantially differently. So I thought I'd fill that in. All right. Well, now you're um, now that you're educating us, I have a question regarding a question I asked Hal yesterday. When the, when you have people that are in the, uh, not that I have a, a nephew that might be in this group, uh, that is moving up on the machinery, distribution, all those kinds of things to where they're now actually uh, dealing with customers and maybe dealing with, you know, profitability of the place and learning how to price stuff out and maybe just decide they want to know what, you know more about economics or something. What, what do you recommend for the first two or three kind of management-level courses for people like that? I mean, I, I mean, I'd like to see a, some sort of a basic economics class, but that's probably not what you're going to say. Is there? Is there a? Well, it's not because that's not what I teach. Um, economics is part of our liberal arts program, uh, and it, it, you know what? I, I I don't even pay close attention to the content of it. I of course know what it is. I know what I know what macroeconomics looks like, um, and, and so on. Uh, I would say a uh, um, a good a couple of good accounting courses. I, I don't think you can go you can go wrong uh, learning about accounting. I, I was in you know an IT class last night, and and uh, and going through with them, uh, you know different kinds of systems and how they work, and 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 explaining to them because this is it's, it's IT. But I always tell them I'm going to teach you the technical stuff, but I want you to be better IT professionals. So you know explain to them how everything you know it's double entry accounting. There's always a debit, always a credit, and a better balance to the penny every day. And if it doesn't, then you have to resolve it. Uh, and, and everything that goes into that. And, you know, it was, it was a little wide-eyed. And I said, look, I'm, I can't teach you all of the accounting, it, you know, today. I can make you aware of it and recommend that you take an accounting class. What about um, the... So I would say, I would say intro, you know, the, the principles of accounting and then the financial accounting, I, I would encourage people to take those two. Um. I would. Uh, is there such a course as well as as well as a management or leadership course? It, but is there is there a, a, a course that uh, that that explains even um, the the bid the bidding process? And when I say this, boy, I'm going to go into like five different genres here. That if you're going to go out, say say if a firm like like my nephews or any place, all of a sudden you've got a year long project where somebody wants pick pick something. We want you want 15 new conveyor belts. Uh, and, and you come across a price, you know what the price is for the stuff you're buying and how many hours, assuming you do. But how do you, how does somebody learn how to scope out, okay, well, if, if we're ponying up the money for this, uh, we have to find a way that we have a bank line of credit. And oh, by the way, how much is that going to cost us? Other than maybe you guys giving us progress payments so we don't have to borrow you, the, the, the money is always on you versus 
uh, now we're going to use X percentage of our plant. What's the overhead going to be? I mean, I'm, I'm walking through Treasury here. I'm walking through accounting. I'm walking through everything. But are there are there courses even in like in like bidding and in uh, uh, yeah, in my program, that's uh, uh, supply chain management. That's our principles of procurement uh, class. Because it's going to, which, by the way, when uh, uh, gives every student the chance to sit for a uh, next level purchasing association certification in procurement. So we, you know, we, it, it's industry recognized stuff, um, and and it covers some, you know, it's it's a pretty sophisticated course. So if, once you do that. Going along the way, the the person with the help of the professor uh, would probably say, "Well, this area here, I'm a little weekend. Well, that's that's the accounting part. Well, that's the treasury part." And and I, obviously they could splinter off into an accounting class or a finance class or or, or a money and banking class if they wanted to. Correct? To good uh, that, That's correct. And and I will tell you that hardly any classes and and my technology class will get this uh, a little bit later in the course. Um, I, I don't teach a class without putting at least a little accounting hit in there. They have to at least understand the difference, you know, what's net income, what's cash flow, what's the difference, how does EBITDA fit in there, and how do you know, um, you know, uh, how, do, how do you uh, prepare proposals based on what your CFO is looking for? Because if your priority is cash flow, then you might make some very, very different decisions than you would if your priority is net, you know, what what net income you're going to report, or if your priority is EBITDA, it's, it's going to be different still. And you know, how how does the uh, um, CFO determine priorities? Well, <laughs> what's the tie to the CEO and CFO bonuses? And ultimately, that's going to that's going to decide the priorities. And and frankly, if you know, if, if that's important to the board of directors, that's what they're going to, you know, uh, that's what a decent board in a small business. I'm not talking about you know the world where we rail about the directors all the time, but in a smaller business, um, you know that's the the investors are going to ter- determine which one is more important to them. And hey, Friday, I want to talk a little bit. I know you're not an, an attorney, but uh, um, I want to talk a little bit about the total hypocrisy of this Madigan trial when Commonwealth Edison is let off the hook. I just I'm, I'm aghast at that. You know, I just. I don't know what I can do about it, but uh, nothing. But I mean, I, I I just think we you know we have so many awesome contradictions in our society. It's you know it's we are just nuts. Well, I mean, I, this would uh, this actually would be we got a dash here, but this this would almost be a a Republican Democrat thing as well, Kevin. Every Republican I know is is giddy with the fact that Madigan might end up going to jail because he was a Democrat. He was an emperor. I mean, it didn't matter if you'd asked him. If yeah, that's not my sense of it, Tom. That I don't think people are giddy because of that. I think they're giddy because it's Madigan. Well, but I'm I saying don't think, I don't think it's but a, if I don't you, think it's a partisan thing. But if you were to turn around and find Commonwealth Edison bazillion dollars and throw everybody off the board for actually, if if he did take a bribe from, from them giving it to him, I think I think most of the of the of, of the people on the right would say you can't do that. That's business, you know, or something like that. I mean that. I mean, it definitely. Oh no 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 no! That's you know, bribes are illegal. Bribes bribes in countries where bribing is is legal is still illegal according to the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So, you know, <laughs> no, it's I, I, I don't think I, I don't think in general I don't think conservatives are all for corrupt things. I, yeah, I didn't there, say there's that. There's some uh, people who are amoral, but in general, no. Well, every 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 time people give politicians all this money, what are you doing it for? 
you're doing for oh influence influence so i mean at, at the very least it's to have a voice in the process to you know and uh, and 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 that's at the most benign um and uh, at the at the least benign it's i'm going to squeeze your uh, um your privates to uh, uh to oh, get right, it the I way i want it you're compromised you're compromised and i can do it what anybody you're compromised. Who looks, anybody who looks we got a dash maybe who looks at their their gas bill especially from north shore it looks at the price of natural gas today should be willing to pick up a pitchfork and yet where do you go with it who do you even go towards you go towards everybody who's ever in the, who's ever been in the Illinois legislature right uh, yeah and that's when you become uh, an insurrectionist yeah which I don't want to do but I mean we'll steal well yeah but <laughs> you know I mean literally we we don't like what happened uh, you know after the last election right. but at some point we can we push people too far? I don't know. I, think I don't know what that point is. I but think it's we're. There. I think we're. I'm stunned. We're, I think we're past it. I mean, I would hope that the revolution in this country would come at the ballot box because that's the way we're set up. But man, I'm not seeing that happen. SPV is down 21. SPV is down 47. Kevin, we'll talk about this on Friday. Plus, I got all kinds of other in- interesting conversations for you and Mike on Friday. Uh, Anyway, like police actions and things like that. So we'll be, we'll be ready. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil doesn't have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the f***ing smile on my face. Hello and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. Sam Tamal, I'm going to burn on the board. SP Futures down 19. NASA Futures down 44 during the show. The market has kept up its absolute craziness like it did yesterday. We were... Since the show started, we were down 30 in the NASDAQ, up 15, now we're down 45. I don't see any big massive news flying across the world here this morning, and while we've been talking, it's only, for God's sake, 7 o'clock. Mm. we have Russell? We do indeed. Professor, Professor, how are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. Staying warm. Uh, how you doing that? Where are you? Bermuda? I'm, well, I'm <laughs> down in Indiana, but uh, oh, all right. when I say staying warm, I, I, you know, remember when we were kids and... And we would make a fort out of out of blankets and stuff, and get under there. That, that's what I'm having to do. We used to love playing. Uh, I'm in I'm in a I'm in a heatless apartment in Indiana. Oh God, we used to. Why Why don't you have any heat? You didn't pay the bill. No, it's not that I didn't pay the bill. Uh, I, I I I live in a crumbling. Uh, I, I I'm experiencing the United States crumbling infrastructure up front. Well. That way you can probably talk about it, well, as opposed to other people. Yeah, we, never... we didn't. We didn't have air conditioning for half the summer. The uh, elevator was out half the summer, so what, it's cold in here. What did they do? Did they ship Cabrini Green down to you, or what? Pretty much, man. So I just needed a cheap place to sleep when I'm down here, and I didn't. I didn't think about staying warm or you know anything like that. You don't have any roaches, do you? Uh, no, but a couple of my neighbors got bit by a bat in their apartment last week. <laughs> Oh God! Are they are they gonna go get rid of? You can't even make some of this. This stuff sounds up. like a cave it's, it's that you're living fun. in. Uh, Matt <laughs> says it sounds like a cave, not yeah. an apartment. It's freezing. There's bats it's, flying it's, around. It's it, dark. It's, it's much. You know what? My um, my apartment is forty years older than the Board of Trade building. Uh, you can't tell me that wow. your your wife or daughter stay in that place and they come down there. Oh God, no! It's me by myself. No. Would the dog even stay there? No, I I wouldn't do that to my dog. <laughs> By the way, how's the little the little one doing the hospice? She's still with us? The hospice one is still with us and she she gonna live forever, man. My uh Yeah, I, I, that's all I get. she she's you know, she she's three now and she wasn't supposed to make it past eighteen months. So yeah, this dog's gonna be around forever. Wow. My my brother, uh being the good soul that he is, somebody had some like shepherd uh husky mix. It had mm-hmm. hor- horrendous hip problems. It was only going to last six months, so they were going to put the, the puppy down. My brother goes, I'll take her. Well, of course, like <laughs> 12 years later, <laughs> she did die. But uh, but yeah. but she she got to the point where she, she like kind of hopped like a kangaroo or on her on her back legs or like a deer. Wow. Yeah, the front, uh-huh. Her front legs were so powerful she could drag herself around with those. just kind of hopped on the back ones. And she had the... If you brushed her, talk about dog stories, she looked just like a, a fierce, like a shepherd, right? Mm. But, mm-hmm. but she had the, the husky fur underneath. In the wintertime, she'd go out and she'd sleep on the picnic table, and it would snow on her, and the snow wouldn't melt. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's how much husky fur she had underneath the, uh, the other fur. Wow. 
was like, anyway, but uh, anyway, what a sweet dog. And uh, she lasted, you know, she was supposed to be a, a two-month visitor like yours. And, uh, well, she yep. was more like many, many, well over a decade. Hey, all kinds of news. What? Why Why do you think um, you're, you know, we know much more about the, the creatures behind the markets these days than I do, is this incredible movement we see. We had two, maybe one, maybe two 80-point moves in the spoo yesterday. Is that because the news hits someplace and people just have all these market orders and drive it, or is there zero market fabric and there's nobody in the way of anything, there's no standing order, if, there, if there's buyers we go up 40, if there's sellers we go down 40, I mean, it might be a combination. I, I've never seen anything quite like this, Russell. I mean, is there not a standing order? I, um, the, I, I, I've been thinking about uh, B. You gave an A and then a B, and the B was... Uh, I think everybody gets out of the way when any when there whenever there's an announcement. Okay, that's that's really I, I and I think it's an unjustified fear. You know what I mean? I, I just I, I think maybe the financial press gets us too braced for stuff that's going to probably be a non-event. And Powell talking yesterday, he you know he he made one comment that got everybody all fired up, and. Of course, everybody's out. Everybody's pulled all of their orders just to make sure they don't get run over while Powell's talking. And it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's no liquidity out there. He makes one small comment, which really wasn't a big deviation from what he said the previous week. And you know, we got one of those big blips that looks like, uh, you know, like like the heart monitor. Big big dip down and then a dip right back up. Well, I'm a. So I, 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 I think I really think it's um, market participants just getting out of the way. But I, I'm going. I uh, I don't want to dive too deep into this because uh, there's nothing we can do about it. And I, it, but it, you know, it frosts the hell out of me being somebody in a a competitive world when I was on the trading floor. I think that the what's happening is that the people who uh, are allegedly the order these liquidity providers, the five or six firms that are left. You know, there's a few more probably, but that are actually mm-hmm. making markets. I think that they see the they have an offer up there, and I think they they see the order before they trade it, and 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 can get out of the way of it and not trade it, which you could never do on the trading floor. We would have got you banned from the trading floor. Okay. And I th- I think I, these guys see everything coming and get out of the way. Well, you've got the, you know you have two different types of, of liquidity providers on the screen. Are you talking about the of really the option market? Well, I'm talking option in the futures market, which I don't know that much about. But it sure seems to me like if somebody wants to buy ten e minis, there could be like nobody there. I mean, but but there has to be a market someplace. And then all of a sudden it's just gone. And I think the, I think these. I mean, I, I would have loved to see every order coming down the pipe before I was asked to trade it in the OEX pit. I never had that luxury. That would that would be that would be considered like jail time. Now I think it happens all the time. Well, I, I I wouldn't take it to that extreme. I really I just I I I don't know. I I, I like to believe that it is somewhat of a fair playing field, uh, and I just I I feel like everybody is so much on edge that they you know that that they pull their orders or reduce the size of their orders or whatever uh, before you know something that's been talked about for six hours on CNBC. And by everybody on Twitter, uh, you know, when Powell speaks, this is going to happen, or when Powell speaks, that's going to happen. Well, if, if you know, you know, people are saying that something's going to happen that's going to go against you, 
you know, let's say we're long and we've got some buy orders below the market, we may just pull those buy orders below the market before that little event and then come back in when, when you know, a few minutes after the knee-jerk reaction. And I, and I think that's what happened yesterday. We had a knee-jerk reaction that was not justified. It was over-amplified because market participants had been getting run over um, for a good part. I mean, the the market makers got run over by these zero data exploration options a lot last year. The, sh- the short dated options that are yeah. like half of the volume now. So they are. They, I mean, they, they, they have adjusted the way that they're behaving. Well, when people talk about how so much how much more the uh, the options market is now up to how many bazillion contracts a day. Well, that that's that's a f- somewhat of a false number, but it's a true number that it's trading. But we're a long way from expiration every three months. Why don't why don't we make it every thirty minutes? What can we get the volume up to there? It's just not even the same product, right? Right. No, it's not. And um, and I talked to I was I was over there last week and I was talking to people in the S and P that uh, they practically. Um, are running, the, 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 it's almost like, you know, it used to be they had one giant book. You know, they'd have a yeah. bunch of people from Wolverine and different spots in the in the pit, and they would all kind of run it as one big book. Uh, they, they kind of split it into two with the really short-dated stuff and then with the regular stuff. Yeah, I would, I would see why they would do because that. Because the very short-dated stuff requires um, too much hedging. To, to, there's just no other way to put it for the market makers. And I, I just finished a study that I'm going to publish. You, you, you gave me a layoff, and I'm working into my uh, to, to my self promotion here. Um, I'm putting the finishing touches on a on a white paper about the behavior of short dated options in 2022. And basically, if you were an option seller in that tenor, uh, you'd be out of business at this point. Oh, sure, I would agree with that. I, uh, you know, it's and, uh, that's, and that's not and that's not normal for. You know, let's backtrack before we had daily options. Uh, typically, over a one-year period of time, if you were consistently selling options, uh, you, you'd have some drawdowns, but you'd typically make money over you know over a, long, a year-long period of time. That ain't true for the short-dated options, it's not, which it's, means no, it's the not market true. makers have been underpricing them, and if they've been underpricing them, they are totally out of the way when. Um, Anything that may move the market's coming up. I'm not going to. I'm not going to write your paper for you, although you know it always help. Um, if you ever right. ask me, you know what you know what it's very you know what it's very similar to. I'm going I'm to give you yep. a total layup. I'm going to go way over way over our our listeners' heads, most of them, but that's okay. Uh, they can they can write in, and I'll be happy to answer tomorrow or whatever. You know it's you know it's almost exactly similar to what trading the OEX. Uh, are you talking about what happened in '87? No, or? I'm talking about and in, any given any given day. For those that don't don't know, the OEX had had uh, had daily expert. You could you could exercise every day. Okay, so it was an American exercise, yeah. and uh, and it, it made the product I think a tremendous retail product, better than the stuff they have now. Yes, but again, it's but now the spider retrades that against essentially the uh, the ETF. But uh, but but what I'm saying is. Uh, as the day wore on, if you if you if, if, if ten in the morning, if somebody you know I was not a big swing in whatever, but if somebody bought you know a hundred in the money calls, and you sold them to somebody, you turn around and buy the S and P, even though it's not a perfect yeah. hedge, 
but the S&P had an expiration every three months. Okay, but certainly on an expiration day in the OEX, which might have happened monthly where this S&P was three months, at some point during the day, you ended up having two underlings. One was where the cash was going to close, because you could never sell at quarter to three somebody 100 deep in the money calls, buy a bunch of S&Ps and say you were okay. Because you, you, now, you now had two underlings. You had a cash underlying. Same thing that what happens with the VIX options. If anybody's ever trading those, there's a cash underlying on expiration day, and there's a futures underlying, and they're not the same. So you, you had to, you had to trade the daily run runoff in the in the. I actually was, I'm going to say that I was the second best at this in our area at, at trading the, the order the runoff, and then when the, the pit was there, Russell, I used to make, you know, when I was having a good month, I'd make. 40% of that money on expiration day and, and half of that in the last half hour. Mm-hmm. Because I was right next to a broker. I was I saw every order. Not saw. I was I was able to hear every order. And uh, and I was pretty good at what the runoff was going to be. There was a couple guys that were way better than me. And I would watch them, too, because I knew they were better than me. But, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ashamed to do that. But, I mean, so y- you could not do something at 10 to 3 and sell some calls that were expiring in 10 minutes, and then go and then go buy spoos against them and think you were okay, because one was going to disappear in 10 minutes. It was a two totally yeah. separate underlying. So now what you're what you're describing to me, and again I know I'm over listeners' heads a little bit. What you're describing to me is the daily, the dailies, like the ones that are going to expire tonight. You can't just trade spoos against them, or you're going to get yourself screwed. It's it's a totally different product. At yeah. least is the yeah, you got to you got to figure out how to be. Well, it, as neutral as you can possibly be. But uh, but it has to be in today's uh, options. You, it can't even options, be in tomorrow's. Yeah. But you might be able to do some hedging with tomorrow's, but it, it better not yeah. be next week's. But uh, is, but now at, at quarter to nine, I think they're they're just like regular options. Twelve o'clock, you start to get a little weary. At two o'clock, you better be trading. You better be hedging today's with today's, or you're screwed. Yeah. So that I and, did I help, and did I help you or? when you have. When just to, and this kind of reinforces uh, the initial point when when you asked me what I thought was going on. Well, if you have somebody making a speech in the middle of the day, and you're starting to enter that zone where uh, you, you, where it's going to be more difficult to be as neutral as you possibly can for that day's expiration, uh, your liquidity is going to dry up, isn't it? Well, if if you're trading the uh the December of twenty of twenty four options. You don't even listen to the speech, do you? <laughs> right? No, you don't care. <laughs> you don't care no. if you're trading the ones that expire an hour later. You care. Yeah, but it's, uh, and that that may have you know if you're if you're kind of happy with your position in, in all of the options that expire you know today, at, at, in the middle of the day or so, are you going to be very aggressive? Uh, you know, putting up markets for the rest of the day. Probably not. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears on you here to talk about yeah. Chairman Powell. And of course, I do you, to, do you argue with all family members all the time? Is that just what family members are for? My brother and I, even though we agree on just about everything, we will argue on everything as well. Uh, he's convinced that, that Powell's doing just what he's supposed to be doing. And I and and he and he's one of these guys. He's an accountant by trade, uh, and uh, and, he, and he'll 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 read the written word right constantly. And uh, and I and I said. Dan, it's all about body language and what the guy's not saying. He goes, what do you mean? I said, the message the man's given now twice in a row, and it's gotten the market to goose up, and we're going back down here today, but is that the inflation is going down, which I've been talking about for six months. 
the actual rate of change of prices to the upside has been decreasing but that that doesn't help the price level there's two different things here there's a there's a stock and flow analysis what he's telling everybody is i think the message i'm getting is that look we had all this inflation by the way it's he's not saying this but it's been ridiculously undercounted from the day one so let's say we've had this 25 30 percent bulge and now we know the price of the car has gone from 28 to 42 but I'm telling you, it, isn't, it really isn't going any higher than 42 right now, and I'm okay with that. i tell you what, society is not okay with that. I don't know how you get it back down to 28. I don't want it to be, be my job. But I don't think the population is okay with that. But he's saying, I'm okay with that. And the market's saying, okay, that means you're not going any higher in these interest rates. We can go back to partying like before, and maybe you'll even come down, in which case these stocks are worth a hell of a lot more than they are. And oh, by the way, China's opening up, and even though they got a balloon running across our place, we want to shoot the thing down. We can't wait to get back over there and, and buy Chinese stocks. You know, this, this has been the most bizarre time in terms of thing uh, counter 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 stuff happening that I've ever I've ever seen in my lifetime, Russell. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, I deep, am I critique me, grade me? Am I totally nuts or just partial? No, no, not at all, not at all. I I, I do think, um, you know, it's. Nobody, nobody ever really says Powell's doing a particularly good job, um, and and I actually think you know I I give him a B, and you got to think about what that guy has had to deal with. You know, he he's had to deal with COVID situation. He had to deal with um, a president, you know, with a with a president that you know, was, whose attention was tied to the stock market. And when that money was doing bad, he's probably calling up Powell and going, do something about it. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, I mean, I mean it, 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 if anything, the man deserves whatever the, our highest civilian honor is for putting up with that for four years. Well, the guy makes 150 grand a year or something, I believe. He make, there's an awful lot of people to Fed to make more than he does, which is crazy. Yeah. I know a few of no, them. It's, not, it's, it's definitely not something you do for pay. No, wait. Uh, <laughs> but, but my question yeah. is, what, what are, now, now that you open this topic, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive you to actually make the point. Or try to. What exactly can we put anybody in that job that actually has the stones to do the job? When I say that, the the person there, and again, I'm going to go, go up the range here. You're the one who's driving me up the up the range here, uh, Russell. Uh, when you put somebody in that job, when 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 a, when a government decides to spend money that they don't necessarily have in the bank, which is usually all the time. They can do one of three things. They can raise taxes, which nobody wants to do, especially the Republicans can't do that. But I'm not saying that. By the way, uh, I used to be a moderate Democrat. Now I'm in the middle. I don't want taxes going up either. So I, I'm, I sit with the Republicans yeah. on this one. So uh, you can you can borrow it, which we seem to be doing to inc- incredible amounts, or mm-hmm. we can print it, which allegedly the Federal Reserve, the head of the, that group and the, and the chairman of the Federal Reserve, it's supposed to make sure that that does not happen to any incredible degree where it screws up the monetary system. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, I don't know if, if Solomon was around or, 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 or who's the guy, Darth Vader, that, that anybody would have the balls to take that job and actually do it. They end up being the most manipulated person in Washington, unfortunately. Oh, they do. And, and the thing is, I feel like Greenspan achieved a notoriety where he was able to be above all of it. Yeah, but he, but he, I, I think 
I think Bernanke, to a certain point, did a pretty good job, and Yellen did as well. I, I don't think I don't think Powell is able to. I, I, he doesn't have you know he does he doesn't have quite the same you know reputation where he can. Well, I take the time do the, do the job in a completely non-biased way. Well, what, where where was the? What he thinks is best as opposed to what keeps him out of political trouble. But where were the where were the crises? In, in Greenspan, I mean the guy, the guy caused a whole lot of inflation by pouring money into the economy for Y two K. I didn't say he did. A, I did not say that he did a, a good job. I said that he was above the stuff and he could do what he wanted. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that. Yeah, I, th- I think he was actually because that, that was your, that was your, that was your question was you know is there anybody out there that has a, you know has the guts to go out there and, and do you know the absolute right thing or what they think is the absolute right thing that, and, and keep all the politics out of it. Well, I, um, I mean, right now, today, I, I haven't heard any one of those people going back, all those creatures that you're talking about, except for uh, Volk, uh, what's his name? Uh, who, who's the guy that, Volker. And it, but even yeah. he, you know, I, I'm not so sure I think he was all that straight, to be honest with you, but he, he uh, I don't think. I mean, what, what you really need out of out of this guy, if if you if you actually had somebody in there who would was Solomon or Abraham Lincoln or somebody, you'd have to say, going forward, you know what? I, I I rolled with this COVID thing, and I poured money into the system and essentially made things look good to where none of these numbers we're looking at even make any sense anymore. You know what? I'm going to drag some of that money out at this pace, and you know what? I'm never going to let that happen again on my watch. By the way, Mr. President, and Mr. Congress, I know you're fighting about the, you know, the uh, the debt ceiling, but let me help you. If you pass another bill, either cutting taxes, like like uh, what's his name, uh, Trump did, or with some massive infrastructure plan, like this guy did, you better either tax it or borrow it, because I'm not helping you. Th- that's what we need to hear, and we're, and we're not going to hear it. I mean, if if they come up yeah. with another spending plan, or if we go into any kind of a recession. You know damn well the guy's going to be back down to two percent. The market's going to go flying up. People have the market are going to be happy, and the rest of this, the rest of the economy is going to look like Weimar Germany. Well, maybe not that bad. I mean that, that that's where we're at. I mean the, the guys the guy financed like the entire COVID thing, didn't he? Well, I want yeah. my money in the system. They didn't do that in the Civil War, for God's sake, Russell. No, no. He um he he I, I he doesn't he's he's manipulated, unfortunately. But I but do we really want? A you know, and the thing the thing is, if you know, when did he get renominated? Did he get renominated under Trump? Yeah, well, af- after. Yeah, I mean, I, I still ask the question, and it's, I mean, it's a little tongue in cheek. In 2018, when he came in and he was going to take back that excess, was long before COVID, and the market had the little hissy fit, and he went and he got invited to the to the the, the uh, uh, White House for a dinner, and came out and totally changed the policy the next day. I mean. He either got yeah. either got paddled or waterboarded. Which was it? I don't know. Something happened. The whole the whole well, thing. something most definitely happened. And see that that right there, that shouldn't happen. No, that should never happen. But I mean, I, I mean, it, like you know what? It should happen. It should happen like in two thousand eight when everybody needs to get on the same page. But that that shouldn't happen. No, but I, but it, but it did. And, 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 and I can't. But could you see the exact same happen? Same thing happening with uh, Bernanke or Greenspan? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. You really think that yeah. um, somebody like Donald Trump could push either of those guys around? Yes. Or they, they might have resigned, but they would. They would have. Uh, they yes. 
I see. I I think they would have pushed back better. I, I, I really do, and I and I think they had the street cred to do so. And unfortunately, Powell just and I I can't think of anybody that that would. Well, but I mean, can you or that, you know, that 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 has that 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 has that kind of I guess, but we call it celebrity CEO and management theory. But it's 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 the can anybody celebrity Fed chair? But does anybody if you're but this I'm going to talk about. It. Got one in the course of human events. What's, what was that? Was that a Lincoln? Uh, was that the Gettysburg Address? Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is Congress really capable, or, or, a, or a president, really capable of hiring somebody that they know is going to be independent? No. Well, then. The, the last one was, was Volcker. You know, they, 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 they need to pull John Roberts. Well, they 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 got pushed in. They, they can make it sound like they're going to be on everybody's page, and then when they get in there, go, hey, guess what? You can't do anything to me now. Well, I don't. I mean, I, so. I don't see. Uh, I mean, uh, I think Volcker was controlled by a lot of banks. But anyway, it's you know, I, I have a PhD. Do you want me to apply for the job and see how it goes? Boy, I'd love to be one of your assistants. Why? I'd, I'd be a one of those. I, that, that's uh, yeah. That's the last thing on God's green earth I would ever want to do. I thought you were going to say hiring me as an assistant. No, 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 no. That's a, that or one, one of my students. We were doing work last night, and this is on topic. Uh, we're it's a CFA case competition, and they were like one of the students said, "Who in the world would ever want to be a CEO?" Oh God! And and I and so well I you know and just talked about how everything's their fault blah 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 blah. And a kid named Adam was sitting in front of the Bloomberg, and I said, "Hey Adam, type in our ticker and type in MGMT." And you can see what management salary is, and yeah. the CEO, uh, the CEO salary last year was twenty was twelve million. Well, I mean, that's why he puts up with what he has to put. Well, that's up. what uh, my, my my buddy said. Every one of those guys would give up a job to be a senator. You don't pay for anything. The world the world is at your feet. You control everybody. And it's 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 unbelievable the the, the rush. SP futures down eighteen. Nasdaq futures down forty two. Who knows? By the end of the show, they might be up. They've been up and down all over the place. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. 
PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. What's happening? Hello, and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. Time, time out. We're burning the board. SP futures down twenty. NASDAQ futures down forty-nine. Again, we've been up during the show. Up, down, up, down. The. Uh, um, we have uh, Dow futures down 139. Individual stocks. I don't really see Disney up a buck. I've got Apple down 86 cents. Amgen down a buck 99. American Express up a buck 80. So not not huge amount of craziness here. Microsoft's actually up 269. They're trying to do this thing with Activision. Um, so a lot of stuff going on uh, this morning. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Dax again. These guys shut yesterday uh, before we ran up on the close. So Dax up 125. 0.8%, FTSE up 51.7, kick around up 35.5. Renasia, they're moderately down, moderately. Nikkei down 79, it's 0.3%. Hang Seng down 15, eh, I almost call that one flat. Shanghai down 16.5%, so not much going on there. Yesterday as a review, we finished Dow up 265, S&P up 52, and NASDAQ up 226. This is after being down like 35 spoo points somewhere during the Powell talk, and then all of a sudden we flew up 80 from there, so it was, it was a wild afternoon. Uh, bonds down one basis point, 3.67. The Bund up six, 2.37. That's kind of interesting. And Japan unchanged at 0.49. We're going to have Russell opine on what he thinks the Bank of Japan might let that go to 0.75 or not. Uh, oil up 74 cents, 77.88. Brent up 57 cents, 84.26. Natural gas down seven, 251. Arbob up a penny, 246. We got gold up 210, 18.86. Struggling to make it back to 1900. Uh, silver up 19 cents. was up 33 the last time we did this an hour ago. 22.37. Copper unchanged 4.08. We've got uh, Bitcoin down 63. The silver 23,000. 23.120. And we have the U.S. dollar uh, down slightly against the British pound. Uh, 1.20 unchanged against the euro at 1.07. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Hey, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.37 a.m. on February 8th, 2023. Uh, light traffic overall in Chicago. There was an accident on the Edens affecting both sides of traffic. It occurred before West Foster Avenue, exit 42. Expect delays up to five minutes. Weather in Chicago. Uh, sunny skies currently, right now 31 degrees, a high of 43 later today. Tomorrow, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is looking like rain from the morning until the afternoon. 
Low right now in Phoenix, clear skies, currently 41 degrees, a high of 69 later on. And as far as their forecast, clear skies for the foreseeable future. So another reason to uh, you know shake your fist down south. Uh, Maybe go to spring training. Oh, yeah, that, that's always a good idea. Head on down there. Uh, sports. Uh, yesterday in the NBA, Bulls lost to Grizzlies 104-89. to And Lakers played Thunder and lost. Thunder 133, Lakers 130. Yesterday, though, in the NHL, Blackhawks lost to Ducks 3-2. to It's all for now, Chief. Back to you. The, uh, so, uh, Russell, are you, are you a, I don't know what I can even uh, call this kind of thinking, that, uh, and I had the, uh, Actually, we had a discussion with a very rigorous attorney sort of dude um, a few weeks ago. <laughs> not not my regular gang, but a guy that I talk to once in a while. And when you like, if you say something, he wants everything to be rigorous, and he's you know giving me the big lecture about you know you're on the air, you got to make sure that everything you say is absolutely 100 percent true. And I said, oh, yeah. well, I, you know, I, I really try and do that. And I said, but we're we're kind of on different pieces of the chessboard. Uh, he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, I'm not going to say that every every representative, say, is a crook. I said, but if the amount of people start to get the idea that some of these guys you can't believe a word from and some of them are trading ahead of stuff they're not supposed to be trading on, and all of a sudden a real lot of them are getting rich in ways that maybe they shouldn't be getting rich because it's supposed to be public service to a certain extent, I said, the fact that nobody does anything about the bad, the, the outliers or the bad, the bad apples, it ends up condemning everybody in people's perception. And when you, and I'm not talking about evidence that I could take the court and 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 fight you on the defense stand. I said I'm just talking mm-hmm. about perception, and perception reaches a point where if 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 a lot of people feel that way, because all they all they hear is is the bad stuff, and you and you never see anybody like thrown out or anything like that. Sort of like. I mean, with this Microsoft, this morning I, I was looking at this, uh, they were going to buy this place for $69 billion or something. I look at their effective tax rate, their median effective tax rate is, is 13.8% over the last seven years or six years or something. And you know what, mm-hmm. Russell, I'm just sitting there going, I don't know if I could ever win an IRS case against them, but in my mind, they're cheating. It's supposed to be 22, right? Not 13. And somewhere along the line, Something unintended by somebody, either a quirk in the law or an ab- or a, or a lie or a cheat or something. How do you get from twenty two to thirteen? I can't get there. In some um, you, you get to write some stuff off. You, it, it, it's like, it's like if your base was you know twenty percent and you've got you know a thousand bucks in profit, but you could you know you've got a couple of items that you're going to write down. And you do that, and you take the tax benefit from it, and you move on. Well, I, I'm not going to say what company it is, but the company that we're digging into for this competition thing, um, their effective tax rate has been negative a couple of times. And this is a brand new company. This is not a you know well established company like uh, Microsoft. And uh, they think with uh, some of the, the losses that they get to carry forward, and other things, that their average tax rate is going to be around 15 percent. So I don't think the 13% for Microsoft is way out of bounds relative to, you know, the, the average company. Uh, if, I, if I had an intern, I would send them off and tell them to get me, get me the tax rate for every S&P 500 company in, um, in 20, 
you know, maybe the last three years because we've had some unusual years well, going I, on. I, uh, but um, I, th- I, I really do. I think I don't think thirteen is is just like an out of control number, and I don't think they're doing anything illegal to get there. Well, I uh, it was a long time ago, Russell, but I did take quite a bit of accounting in my day. Uh, I was actually I like cost accounting a lot more, but the financial accounting, the the, the theory of this is. I mean, when I talk about the things that we all know, there's choices that you can do. It would be depreciation schedules and things like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you, we, we all know that, well, I think we all know that it's perfectly perfectly legal for somebody to have two sets of books. Although it's, it might be, and I think Biden, to a certain extent, is trying to change this. When I say two sets of books, you could have a, a book that has, uh, if you're trying to maximize your profits, for instance, for for publication or for your shareholders, I'll just take yeah. one example of one. We depreciate a truck, okay? Because I like trucks. Uh, you can you can say it's a five year cycle. You can either do uh, I think you can do straight line, okay, which which is going to give you mm-hmm. the least amount the first year. You can do as a double declining balance, and you can do some of the years digits. That's not bad for forty years ago, uh, Russell. No, 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 no. So so obviously the first year. If a truck costs you ten grand, instead of taking two thousand off, uh, one of those double declining balance means you get to take forty percent off the first year, right? So if, right. if you do that, especially a newer business that's buying all this stuff, uh, they're going to get the benefit of that, which is kind of what you want, really. If people are investing things, I don't have a problem with that. But over a period of time, when when a company is, and I'm going to say Russell, these I'll use the term. These are legitimate timing uh, differences that you can have well within the law and the morality of the law, correct? But there's a period of time when it's now 20 years later, and you're you're saying you made, you know, $100 million a year, but your tax books say 50. For for the first several years when you're when you're investing in all this stuff. I don't really have a problem with that. I can understand why people did it. I understand the, me- the mecha- mechanism of it. Maybe I'd do it a little mm-hmm. differently, but by and large, you're saving people some taxes early on as they're investing in things. And there's, there's a lot of other loopholes, I'll say, there too. Or, or, but, it, but if it's 20 years later and every single year, instead of 22%, somebody's paying 10, I'm going to say, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Because the flip side of that is when the, it comes the fifth year to depreciate that truck, you now don't get to take off. Two grand, you get to take off one or five hundred. It should come back at you after a while, and it never seems to, does it? No, you continue. Well, you know, and, and they they made an acquisition. I didn't see who what what the acquisition was, but uh, they'll be able to write some things down based on that acquisition. And you know, Microsoft continues to to buy out folks, and when they do that, there, there's some tax benefits to go along with it. It's part of the attraction behind doing the buyout. Well, the, the thing that you can... Is, is not, not, not only do we get whatever great tech we're looking for here, which apparently AI is the, great, you know, the next great tech, but you know, it's not, not only do we get a leg up in, in artificial intelligence uh, and we got to pay $600 million for, for a competitor, but we also are going to get a really cool tax break so we can, we can deduct the net effective cost by maybe $60 million. Well, but, but in my that's where your effective tax rate comes from. But in my humble opinion, if you went back twenty five years, the single biggest antitrust knave on earth has been Microsoft. By having 
Well, you can't buy a computer without the stuff working yeah. in there. You can't. You they they have the whatever the what's the well the, uh, the the term they use when you can't use this because it doesn't work. That I mean, they essentially put Word Perfect out of business. They put yeah MapQuest. Lotus One Two Three, which I learned on out of yeah. business. I mean, they've essentially for so every time I look at a place like that and I see them going into another area for sixty nine billion dollars and their tax rates a little low, I just I just at some point is it possible to say. You guys, you know what? Here's the deal. We're not going to prosecute you and all the stuff we probably should, but don't even think about buying anybody else. You're too big. We don't. They don't need to own this place, Russell. I just don't think they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, another CVS doesn't need to buy what they're going to buy. What this big firm that does that home, that has all the physicians working for them now, especially the nursing homes. Yep. They don't need and, to. Uh, and and, to and in, I heard a secret yesterday. Walgreens is getting ready to do the exact same thing. Well, if one does, well, and that's, that's going to be the defense. You have to let me do it because they did it. Exactly. Which, and which to a third grader. You, you've got to allow companies in the United States to continue to grow to be globally competitive because companies in other countries can do the same thing. Well, plus, you obviously haven't heard the last one, that they've, they found some uh, planet not that far away that they think is supportable of life, much like, like Earth. There's a company mm-hmm. up there that's so big that if we don't let these guys get any even bigger, that they're going to not be able to compete against those guys when they get here. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's it's total BS. I mean, we one air, you let one airline like airline number two take over airline number seven, then all of a sudden number one says, well, "Hey, you got to let me take over six because well, we're going to take yeah. over three. Yeah, we got to take yeah. over three. I mean, I mean, it, but now we're down to four airlines. Does anybody think that's competitive? No, it's it's not particularly competitive. It's not super expensive to fly, but for for a while there it was, and you know, but it, it, it's easy. It, it, the the airline industry. There, there are lots of really large industries, but any industry that you that you mentioned that has to compete outside of the United States, you know, you you, you got to weigh that. You, know, you got you got to weigh weigh you know United against. A lot of state-owned airlines as well. Uh, do, do we really care if United is competing against the Russian airline? Well, I'm not talking about Russia. I'm talking about you know the, they they make their money on all the international routes. Okay. Yeah, you know, they they fill those planes up, and uh, you know sometimes I'll sit there and figure out what the average ticket was and count the seats and go, "Holy crap! Yeah. You know, this ten million dollars of revenue on this flight." Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, the, 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 yeah, and that's where and and that's where they have to be able to be somewhat competitive. And I'll and I'll bet you, I don't know anything about airline finance, yeah. You know, but I will almost guarantee you that some of the international routes subsidize some of the the local routes. And the reason I think that is my flight you know, when I when I choose to fly back and forth from from Indianapolis to Chicago. Uh, that flight was up around about three months ago when international routes hadn't fully fully reopened. Uh, that was you know five six hundred bucks. Uh, I just booked a flight for this Friday round trip with two hundred and thirty dollars. Right, so and I truly believe that some of that is because the international routes have kicked back in and they're able to subsidize some of the, the you know. Some of the shorter right, so let me get this straight. The big profits on the big route. Let me, let me get this straight. You're saying that that was so unarticulate, it was ridiculous. I'm going to say that for a professor, I don't think you want to grade that paper. So you're saying through the goodness of their heart, in the United Boardroom, 
because they're making money on overseas flight, they're gonna they're gonna throw Russell a bone. I uh, know it's not that they're gonna throw a bone. It's that they don't have to worry about getting the profitability from the from the um, domestic route. I think that they want to make they they want to make a profit on every single one they make, and they could care less about you or me. Well, they they, they would like to make money on every flight. It doesn't quite work that way, but they. Um, yeah, and then they have to. They do have to keep an eye. You know, United with us in, in Chicago, it's United in America, and United in America can keep an eye on what each other are doing. And you know, if if they need to raise domestic prices because you know energy prices, I think they blamed energy prices, but I think there were other things going what on they, there because well, yeah, price doubled. Nobody knows better than you. you know? <laughs> nobody knows better than you that you can't take these people's word for anything. We're talking about a company that use their entire profit stream for 10 years to buy back stock, not to buy another plane cash. They have to, everything, every one of them is leased. But I'm saying, you know, if, if, if you and I own two hamburger stands in a town and we're both driving uh, 1%er cars, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz, uh, and, and we're, we're, we're living fat and happy, we're both making a million dollars a year in our two huge hamburger restaurants, and somebody were to come and say, you guys aren't competitive. We say, what are you talking about? We're very competitive. You know, $25 mm-hmm. is the price of a burger. You know, somebody can listen to my BS as much as they want, but it's not the same as allowing Matt Byrne to open up another hamburger stand, a restaurant, and all of a sudden charge 10 bucks and, and make profit and have people go there and hamburgers are just as good or better. When you're not competitive, you, you can't take the word of the oligarch as to how competitive he is, I guess is my point. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I... I'm thinking as an economy, as, as a, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, whatever, a, an economist that loves a competition. I don't think you can argue with me on that one. The only, the only way to know what the competitive price really is is they have competition. I mean, look at and the, there's not a whole lot, and there's just not a whole lot of competition and a lot of, a lot of different things. But, but, but I mean, I would, um, but we could do a little things. The, I mean, what you did notice is your, 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 your president, he didn't come out and say that he was actually going to do anything, which is my big problem with Joe Biden. I mean, but I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going to say that uh, we, we're going to demand another airline. But what I would do is I would nip away at the little crap. No, you don't. You don't get to control landing slots that you don't use. You see that gate over there? It hasn't been used in 20 years. You don't get to say nobody else uses it. Let's at least open it up in case somebody wants to come in. You know, let's not mm-hmm. have. Let's not have the government essentially subsidizing the baby formula industry to the point where there's only four baby formula places. Let's let the government let somebody know in and maybe give them a contract instead of only giving it to the, the four that are in there. I mean, there's, there's things we could do that that don't really go, that don't, aren't like shart, shooting arrows at these people. But, I mean, we've allowed them to control the, the entry process, too. You don't, you, don't, you don't let, as Milton Friedman used to say, you don't let the, the American Medical Association control the amount of med schools. Duh. You know, I mean... But we but we do that all the time and, and have the nerve to call it competitive. I mean, it, I don't think it is. Do you? Yeah. But is anybody? Right. But is anybody? I mean, I guess uh, uh, Lou has called it the uh, the fascist economic system. Uh, Hal went one step further and called it the Nazi system, which I don't necessarily agree with that because I think it was the German system before there were Nazis. Yeah. Uh, um, the idea that we're gonna we're gonna land with. You know, three hospital groups in every area that don't really compete. We're going to end up with, you know, four baby formula people. That that is a very fascist system. Four 
four, th- two to four industries or companies in every industry with their nose up the ass of government. That that's how much of our of our economy right now would you say falls into that category, Russell? I'm going to say we're pushing probably thirty percent, forty percent, maybe more. Maybe more. Is that healthy? I don't think so. And it's not particularly healthy, but you know who who allowed that to happen? Uh, collectively, we did. We have well, collectively we did. Yeah, we did. But really, you know, the the the, the way the system is set up, it's it's the people it, it's the people with the loudest voice, and the loudest voice is actually based on how much money you can throw at the government. And we're uh, you know it, it it's the, it's the way the system set up that. You know, politicians are basically bought and paid for, and <laughs> yeah. they make the rules, and, and they don't make rules that the companies don't like. Well, we also have laws that we give other people uh, that we elect the essentially the largesse to to enforce them or not at their at their pleasure, which is sort of an, or or, yep. or or and uh, yeah. you know the the glass steagall. Yeah, I, I wasn't paying as close attention as I should have when when they you know they, they allowed the big investment banks to uh, do things that they weren't allowed to do in the past. You know, they, there was a separation between banking and the investment industry, and really, they the, the way that it, I, the, my understanding is the way that it, it sort of you know, went away was they just decided to stop enforcing it. Um. Not exactly, because I actually was sort of all over. Right, I mean, they were, they were like, you know, Citigroup was going to uh, announce they wanted to, to do some sort of uh, travelers or Citigroup or somebody was going to do a, a relatively large deal that would have been in violation of it, and they went ahead and allowed it to happen. Um, I'm going to show a little bit of shade of history. I was, I was, a, young, I was a youngster when that happened. All right, so I'm, I'm, all right let, me, let me fill you in more on the details. Uh, Matt, do me uh, a favor. Will you look up mm-hmm. uh, something called the Bank Holding Company Act? Bank holding company. But you are absolutely correct, Russell, that the Glass-Steagall separated uh, commercial banking from investment banking. I actually did a paper right. on that. Yeah, I, I have it right here. Yeah, and so but what ended up happening, in other words, Citibank could not do investment banking. Okay. Yeah. But then the, the Bank Holding Company Act came in and said uh, you, could, you could form a place called Citigroup, which is what we see now, and Citigroup could own both Citibank and Smith Barney. And Solomon Brothers, so the mm-hmm. so yes, City City Bank couldn't, but so the Bank Holding Company Act essentially denutted Glass Siegel. So by the time Glass Siegel went away, it was useless. Which mm-hmm. by the way, I didn't want it to go away, but but by the time it did, it was useless. In other words, you know, PTI Securities uh, can't own a, a, a well, we can. You can't own an investment advisor firm, okay? But but we can form we can form PTI Inc that owns PTI Securities and an investment firm. Well, it was a way that even a third grader would say that that doesn't work, but that we let them do that. You know, because yeah. Citigroup, Citigroup was formed, I think when I first started on the floor, the first thing they did was buy us, uh, they bought the uh, Solomon Brothers, right? And then, they yeah. bought, and then they bought Smith Barney. Well, Citibank could never have done that. But by jumping at one level up, sort of like the same thing where United you know, Airlines couldn't raid the pension fund, according to the ERISA laws. But they could form United Inc. The now owned of United Airlines, and they could turn around and re and revalue the. We, we we have amazing ways to do this in ways that ten years later, twenty years later, people like you there and say, "How the hell did that happen?" Because it you know, it used to be illegal for a reason, and now all of a sudden everybody's doing it. It's it's a as we used to say at Pullman, it's a workaround. If, go ahead, uh, Matt. The Bank Holding Company Act. What year was that? 
That would be 1956. But it, 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 but it grew, and what did it say? It, it grew precipitously after that, where you could, you could own people. That, nobody caught on to it that much for a while, Russell, and as soon as they did, mm-hmm. then basically it, it, it totally denutted uh, Glass-Steagall, I think. Yeah, by the way, this is from the federalreservehistory.org, so. Yeah. So what did it... Uh, we, we, we believe those guys. Yeah, we believe those guys. <laughs> uh, let's see. Most of the time. Uh, so so it's, it, it explains what you just said, and then by saying the, uh, the reality was more complex, in deciding to allow or deny applications for expansion, the board was required to get opinions from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and State Banking Regulators. Further opinions were divided on the board as to what the purpose of enforcing the law should be. Yeah, see, we all comes down to enforcement. Now we're not mm. going to enforce it. Screw it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Russell, what's going on? What's 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 fun you're teaching? you got a couple of minutes, and I always want to dig in. And Kevin's always talking about how, what, what he's teaching fun. What do you, What's your favorite class here? What do you, who do you got? Old guys, young guys? Um, my, my, really, my favorite class, is, I teach a, a class in, um, and, and we're going to be losing when I tell you what it is, but uh, I teach a class for healthcare professionals that want to get into management in their industry. Cool. And... Put, this week they do their, their final projects, and their final projects are all business ideas or ways to improve where they work, and then they have to show financially why it makes sense as well. Is that a, uh, I, is that a and, major? And the reason I enjoy that class so much is it's, it's a lot of uh, mid-career professionals uh, that, that they haven't been in school for a while, uh, but also they're, they're, they're very enthusiastic about uh, Apply what they learn to their job, and I really, I, I love teaching a class like that. Where is, is this like we, a, is this like an executive program, or is this a regular class at the? It's school? a graduate certificate in medical management. Oh, so it's a certificate program. Okay, cool. Right, it's a it's a five it's a five class certificate. But if you do it, um, if you're involved in the program and you you find that you're really enjoying school, you can apply some of the credits and do the uh, do an MBA at IU. So you guys. So it's, a, it's a way to figure out if you really want to go back to school or not. Um, well, yeah, but, dip your toe in. So but, but, I mean, how many business schools, I think, by the way, I think that's a fascinating idea. How many business schools are actually doing it? I only know of a couple of others, but I, I haven't done a whole lot of digging. Um, and that, that's just because I Google information about the classes that I teach, and then, you know, the, the computer now knows that I've looked into you know, healthcare-oriented MBAs, and I start getting, you know, pop-up ads. So I've seen a couple of other schools that have sent pop-up ads to me about it, but I, it's a very, I think it's a very unique program. I, you know, our Indianapolis campus is attached to the big IU hospital. Oh, okay. So it makes sense there as well, but only about half the students are, are IU healthcare people. They're, they're people from well, the I, I think I think, well. is, I think that is... Uh, uh, Absolutely fascinating! You guys are doing that because I've been around the years. You and, and and she would be all over it if you if the person that started the program. If you ever want to talk to her, she would be thrilled to come on. Uh, wow, I would do that because I. <coughs> well, I mean, I when I was in Chicago, the only school in the country they, they had a a concentration in, in their MBA program in hospital management. Now, obviously, that's mm-hmm. changed. The and I've, I've asked you this before. The only one that had one in uh, hotel management, guess. Where was it? I, I University, where? University of Adelaide, Las Vegas, their grad program. Well, now, of course, everybody's got uh, that too. They uh, right after I left University of Memphis, they added one, but 
that's because Holiday Inns was found. It used to have their headquarters in Memphis. Okay. All right. Well, they've got like a working Holiday Inn on on just a business school now that wasn't there when I when I was there. By the way, listen in tomorrow because uh, Lou has been doing a lot of digging. Not so much about the uh, the, the balloon itself. Of course, mm-hmm. he knew a lot about that too. As being a, do you believe four million square square feet of, of helium in that thing? Yeah. We've we have we have balloons that big too, evidently. God, how many? Do you know, and, and do you know that, the, that we're running out of helium? Well, that's because they use it all for his balloon. <laughs> I know. But anyway, it's that it's, it's so lighter. It's lighter no, actually, we are running out of helium. Uh, no, no fun birthday parties in the future. Well, then they shouldn't have shut it down. They should have just landed it and stole helium. <laughs> a yeah, I, I, I think they should have gone up there with a big net and brought that thing down. But, oh God! <laughs> hey, uh, so anyway, Lou's going to talk tomorrow about the uh, now. All of a sudden, this stuff has been surfacing about how many other ones have been here, and it never even made to the top of the Pentagon. Nobody even told anybody about it. That they actually there was a couple here when Trump was president, but you can't blame him because he never even heard about it. This this is you know what is this bizarre? Well, it, you know, it, it, I, I know we're over, but I part of me thinks they didn't tell Trump because they were afraid he'd start World War Three over it. I don't think it made it to the top of it that it, uh, Bolton didn't know either. Launch a nuke yeah. on the on the balloon. It's just it never made it up the chain. I, what do you? God, I was gonna say, <laughs> how, how, what do you think that? Well, it's, it's like the guys that blew up uh, World Trade Center. Oh. The dude that made the uh, report saying there's guys here are trying to fly a, fly a plane. They don't care if they can land it. it that was, there was a report sitting somewhere in the Pentagon, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's usually a bad sign, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway talk at you soon, buddy. Be good. <laughs> SP Futures down 21. NASDAQ is down 60. Uh, get some heat in that place, will you? Or else maybe you ought to move. <laughs> Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines.